Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a modern study that supports a hundred-year-old hypothesis about schizophrenia, a weird, probably made-up theory about the history of calendars, along with some actual facts about them, and some tips for better cyber hygiene from a computer scientist. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. A recent study supports a very old hypothesis about the causes of schizophrenia, and it could change the way we look at the disorder. We'll start this episode with a mix of history and science. First, the history. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, one of the world's premier psychologists was named Emil Kraepelin. He specialized in a disorder called dementia precox, which today we call schizophrenia. From 1896 up until his death in 1926, Kraepelin believed the disorder was what he called a whole body madness. In other words, schizophrenia isn't just in the brain, it also has a strong physical component. Now, the association between schizophrenia and poor physical health isn't controversial. Doctors have seen for a long time that people with schizophrenia live about 10 to 20 years less than people without it, and the disorder is associated with an increased risk of other health problems, including heart disease, diabetes, and suicide. Most modern doctors have assumed that this association went in one direction. For example, schizophrenic people often face homelessness and other factors that put their health at risk. So the assumption was that poor physical symptoms were a secondary feature that came up based on context. Well, here comes the science part of this story. According to a study from May 2018 led by Dr. Tom Pillinger from the King's College London, Kraepelin might not have been so far off. The study found that even young people diagnosed with schizophrenia had more markers of inflammation, higher levels of certain hormones, and more heart disease risk factors than those without. There's plenty more for us to learn about the condition, but here are a few ways the connection could pan out. One explanation could be that the effects in the brain ripple out to cause effects in the body, like when the brain produces the stress hormone cortisol, which can cause weight gain, raised blood pressure, and diabetes. Another is the disorder is rooted in the body instead, and these kinds of issues are reflected in the brain. We've seen that before in certain rare cancers that cause psychosis until the tumor is removed. There's also the possibility that it's not really a question of the chicken and the egg as much as two symptoms that might be tied to a third as yet unknown factor. We don't have all the answers yet, but learning more can only help people who are suffering from schizophrenia in the future. People get really worked up about calendars. And this next story is one great example of that. You're going to learn about the phantom time hypothesis, which says we're currently in the 18th century. And then I'll give you a little more uh, historically agreed upon calendar knowledge, if you will. And the phantom time hypothesis came from a German historian in 1986, and he claimed the years 614 to 911 AD never happened. Here's the evidence. Not enough documents were produced from that period. And important historical figures of the time, like Charlemagne and Alfred the Great, either existed at different points in time or were totally fictional. This huge leap in history's timeline may have been a result of some confusion when Pope Gregory XIII switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar starting in 1582 AD, which I'll get to, where there was a discrepancy of at least 10 days. Maybe there was a misinterpretation of documents somewhere along the line, as forged historical documents aren't necessarily rare. Or maybe it was no accident at all. Dun, dun, dun. The leading theory as to why this whole thing would happen is, are you ready for this? Is that Pope Sylvester II and the Holy Roman Emperor Otto III 
thought it would be cool to say they ruled during the year 1000 AD. By the way, most academics write this theory off. Sorry, conspiracy theorists. Okay, but now to some real history and some literature sprinkled in. I was really excited about this story because right now, in actual real life, I'm reading a book called Mason and Dixon by Thomas Pynchon. It is a fictional story of Charles Mason and Jeremiah Dixon and their adventures around the time they surveyed the Mason-Dixon line that later became the border between the North and the South in the U.S. Now, I mentioned a fictional book because it references a lot of real-life events, including that switch from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. So the Gregorian calendar was a modification of the Julian, and it was introduced in 1582 by the Pope, like I mentioned. At first, only Catholic countries adopted it, and England held out and did not join in until 1752. This is our present calendar system, and it removed the leap year three times every 400 years from the Julian calendar. It also does a better job at keeping the summer solstice on June 21st. The switch happened in England in 1752 because that's when England and the eastern part of America started seeing the summer solstice arrive on June 10th, hence the need for an 11-day edition. There's your real history fix, and a bonus book recommendation, by the way, because there's a hilarious scene where people are in a bar arguing about the 11 day, and there is a lot of historical evidence that many people in England were really upset by the 11 day switch. Some people mistakenly believed their lives would be shortened by 11 days. People were also unhappy and suspicious at the moving of saints days and holy days, and people objected to the imposition of what they saw as a popish calendar. There's a bit of a historical rumor that there were riots around the give us our 11 days idea back in England back in the day. But I just, yeah, imagine like right now if governments stopped daylight saving time. Just imagine the conversations you would have with your friends. Right. I mean, I know what kind of conversations I have with my friends when they change the Facebook design. So, yeah, I think it's about the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, a few hundred years ago, talking about changing days in the calendars. It's a big deal. Also, not a lot else going on. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wrap up today with some tips from a computer scientist for better cyber hygiene. The way we see it, data breaches, widespread malware attacks, and micro-targeted personal advertising were not exactly the most fun parts of digital life in 2018. So as reported by computer scientist Alyssa Redmiles for The Conversation, here are a few ways to keep your digital life secure and free of manipulative disinformation. First, set your boundaries and stick to them. Decide what data you're willing to share with apps and online services ahead of time and then stick to those limits. That way, when an app asks you for permission that goes beyond where you're willing to go, you'll be more prepared to answer. You won't just tap accept automatically every time you see it. Next, manage your passwords. The biggest threat to password security isn't just how strong your password is, it's how many times you're reusing the same password. Try using password manager software. Or use the original low-tech method, writing your passwords down on paper. Believe it or not, it is a lot safer to write them down than reuse the same password everywhere. To get even more secure than that, turn on multi-factor authentication, or MFA. MFA systems will ask you for a unique six-digit code to type in as part of your login process, which you'll get from either a text on your phone or from an authenticator app. You can even consider using a physical key that plugs into your computer to authorize a login. They can take some time to set up, but they work a lot faster than other methods once you're all hooked up. Another piece of advice, delete apps you don't use anymore. 
As we've seen in the news recently, smartphone apps track where you are super closely, and they share that location data with other companies. Just taking your phone around with you can give tracking companies clues to where you go and how long you were there, and even technical details about your phone can offer clues to your identity. If you've got an app that you don't use anymore, uninstall it. If you need it again, you can always re-download it. But in the meantime, it won't be tracking your location. And keep the apps you do use up to date so hackers have fewer exploits to dig into. Surf smart, not hard, and we can all relax and enjoy a nice, secure 2019. Hack into today's stories and more on Curiosity.com. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. Yeah!